one side. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running, commit liftoff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the SWAT radio program on Tuesday, October 6th. I'm David Gray, along with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and we are glad, as always, that you are with us here on 91.7 The Truth in Jacksonville, Florida, or wherever you may be listening. You can call us, especially during the first segment here at 844-777-7928. If you have a question or a comment, you can also email questions and comments to the address of Doug at SWATradio.com. And um, for those of you who may be listening uh, for the first time in a long time or completely new to listening, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And we are a mainly men's uh, Bible study that uh, meets as studies here in the Jacksonville area and in Colorado Springs during the week. And then we effort on the radio program to teach God's Word, mirroring what Doug is teaching in the uh, in the Bible studies during the week, and we're glad you're with us. Uh, whether you're listening, as I said, on 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, uh, 91.3 in Folkston, Georgia, WMER, I remember it today, in Meridian, Mississippi, or on the Lighthouse in Coastal Virginia, we are glad you're with us. Uh, and, of course, you can also get the SWAT radio app where you can listen to us live and also listen to uh, past programs www.swatradio.com is the website where you can listen live and also listen to past programs and and get other information about the swap bible study so doug i think i i think i covered everything there no you did good that was awesome <laughs> hey and I, I do want to address something but big thanks out to jim uh out in uh idaho jim thanks for being a good berean Yesterday, during the opening or the second segment, I made a statement about Gideon as having multiple or many wives, and it was the first account in the Bible of many wives, and I think I said, uh, you know, and he responded back and said, well, wait a minute, back in Genesis chapter 4, didn't Lamech have two wives? And he's right, and Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel, Esau had two wives, it's not the first account of two wives, but it's the first mention of really a polygamy-type situation because bigamy would have be two wives, but polygamy would mean multiple wives beyond two. And really, Gideon, there were many after that. I think Absalom and David and other people, Solomon, had many wives after that. But before that, and even, in fact, there were even regulations back uh, about uh, in the Bible. If you go back, I think, to Deuteronomy, uh, because in, back in Deuteronomy, it says, if a man has two wives, you know, so it, it mm-hmm. acknowledges two. But before that, really, the design was for one. Uh, God allowed two back then without immediate judgment for some reason. Um can't explain that don't don't understand Mm -hmm. that but it's clear from what jesus taught in the new testament that the design was for one wife a one husband relationship but um but jim uh so it's so gideon wanted many sons he had many wives so that he could have a political oligarchy 
uh, basically over that part of the land. And so he had many wives to create many sons because back then people had many wives, not just for the sexual uh, fulfillment of that, but also for procreating sons that could then establish rule over lands. And in that case, it was a political rule. So thank you for that catch. Hopefully that didn't confuse anybody. Uh, and, uh, you know, I certainly um, want to make sure that uh, that you understand that in Genesis 4, there were there was Lamech who had two wives. Jacob also in Genesis had two wives. Esau had two wives. There were there were several that had two, but it's the first mention of many wives related to Gideon as a as polygamy. Jacob didn't necessarily that, want to. No, he did not. <laughs> he, he got he got the old switcheroo, right? Yeah, and <laughs> and Esau is not a uh, a model of God's people anyway. He is not. He did it out of spite anyway to marry married Canaanite women. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, today uh, in Jim Dennison's article, he made a, a comment about judgment. Have you had this question asked to you, to you, David, or have you heard people talking about it? Do you think America is experiencing God's judgment or God's discipline have you heard that yeah or? sure I, I don't know if anybody's asked me that directly but i've certainly heard the question raised yeah a lot of people are asking is god experience is, is our country experiencing god's judgment and you know in the bible he points out that the judgment takes two two forms permissive and proactive if people reject god's word and his will what he does is he withdraws his favor from them um, he he withdraws his favor and he permits them to experience the consequences of their rebellion. A perfect example of that is in Romans one. It says the people exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. And so, does that sound like familiar for us? Sure. Uh, in our country, maybe that mm-hmm. could certainly be ap- applicable to us. As a consequence, it says, God gave them up to dishonorable passions of homosexual immorality. In addition, uh, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, he gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, they are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. Um, is this sounding familiar to you at all? Does this could you, could you describe what we are seeing happening in our country now with any of those? Sure, words? I think so. Sure, uh, faithless, heartless, ruthless. What's more, they not only do these things, but they give approval to those who do them. So I think if we look at our culture, and he makes observation too, that it very much could be applicable to what's going on, that God is removing his favor that he has given us. Um, you know, he makes a statement that I really like. God deals with us as gently as he can or as harshly as he must. Mm-hmm. And think about a parent. Any good parent is going to discipline their child to teach them and train them. Right. Otherwise, what you have is an undisciplined 40-year-old who wreaks havoc on people's lives. Yeah. 
So, so that actually brings up a question in my mind. I think that's a good point. Maybe you could talk about this for a minute. In the context that we're talking about, you know, when it says in Hebrews, you know, God disciplines those he loves. And when he disciplines us, he's treating us as his sons and daughters. And I've always understood that, right? That that discipline, the goal of that discipline is change, right? Yeah. He, he, he is bringing us more in line to conforming us to the image of Jesus versus judgment always has that connotation of punishment, mm-hmm. right? And I think punishment and discipline, although they're related, they're two different things. They're very different. In fact, God's purpose in responding to our sin is to bring us to repentance. That's mm-hmm. what you're talking about, right? I mean, that's exactly what you're laying out, that that there is a purpose behind the pain, so to speak. In other words, when you go into a hospital, let's say you have a, a bad heart, and you have to have a heart transplant. They have to saw the sternum open they have to make incisions and saw open the bones pull it apart to take the bad heart out and put a new heart in well you have tubes going in you it is a very painful process but that's what's needed to give you life well in the same way god is not going to bring any pain into our life that doesn't have purpose Mm -hmm. There's always purpose behind it. His purpose is to bring us to repentance so that we walk with him. If we respond to his permissive judgment by turning to him with a contrite and repentant heart, then his word tells us he's going to be faithful and just to forgive us. But if we don't, if we just keep the same patterns of rebellion, ignoring his mercy, well, Think about that. If, if if we refuse that, then his judgment goes from permissive to proactive to saying, okay, uh, and look, look at what happened in Egypt, right, with Pharaoh. God did not make Pharaoh evil. He allowed Pharaoh's evil to be unrestrained. Mm-hmm. That's he. When it says he hardened his heart, he didn't make Pharaoh more evil. He allowed him... Well, he allowed his evil to just go without being checked. Does that make sense? Yep. And so, um, and even when you think about um, Ananias and Sapphira, that that seems like such a trivial thing. They just lied about a portion of money, but God did not want the church to have impurity like that at its birth, so he made an example. And you never know when he's going to make an example. I mean, and so uh, sometimes God delays the proactive judgment, not because he's not holy or diligent or good. You know, people say, well, why didn't he? Why didn't he just wipe out the guy who does this or the woman who does that? Because if he if he distributed immediate and swift justice to everything, he would wipe out everybody. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and of course, if he does that, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, but if he does that with an unbeliever, then that unbeliever is done and has no more exactly. opportunity to repent. That's exactly right. It's because he's patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is what it says in Peter, Second Peter three nine. So God deals with us very gently. So anyway, we'll we'll pick that up when we. Come We're going to take a quick break. Glad you're with us here on SWAT Radio. We'll be right back. 
If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Radio, everyone. David Gray, along with Doug McCary from His Light Ministries, and we're glad you're with us. We were just talking about the question of: uh, Do we ever hear? Does is God judging America, or is this divine judgment based on what we're going through? And you know, Doug. In addition to what you were saying, I was just thinking about just the general concept that we live in a fallen world, and that's a huge part of this as well. You know, no, our world is fallen. <laughs> well, I, I think it's... What do you mean by fallen? But surprising how many people don't remember that or take that view, right? That, that bi- the biblical worldview is we live in a in a fallen world, and a lot of this mess that we're in is just... All of it is our own making. And... um and, you know, I think as believers, that's part of what God uses to help us and cause us to yearn for heaven and, 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 and look forward to heaven, not that we are taken out of what we're supposed to be doing in his service here and now, but, but that we keep our eyes on, uh, as we were just reading, right, in, in, in Hebrews, it, it, we're longing for a country that's, that's yet to come. This isn't our real home. Well, we, we alluded to First John five sixteen. Uh, it's a very new, it's a very difficult verse because this is what it says. If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that he should pray about that. Of all the interpretations out there, um, a lot of them um, don't really seem to answer 
the question people have they're all over the place but if you look at this um, um example of ananias and sapphira in acts 5 um the sin and the death i believe that scripture is pretty uh, illustrative of that um where it says it's willful continuous unrepentant sin what happened with ananias and sapphira they were given a chance to repent and they did not mm-hmm. with the apostles themselves right there saying hey is this true no right. no right. no no it's not true uh they they lied and they died mm. um thank goodness that we don't die for lying <laughs> now i mean because a lot of people would be dead, mm-hmm. but but there was an example made. God has ch- called his children to holiness. He corrects us when we sin. Uh, we're not punished in the sense that we lose our salvation or separated from God. We're disciplined. Hebrews says he disciplines those he loves. We're going to look at that in chapter 12 when we get into that. So, But there, 1 John 5 is saying there comes a point when God no longer allows a believer to continue an unrepentant sin. Mm. Um, when that point's reached, God can take the life of the believer, and it's a physical death. Mm-hmm. But the person may be that person that they get into heaven by the skin of their teeth, you know, just barely in there. Um, but they're in there not because of what they do anyway. They're there because of what Christ does. Right. Anyway, I think we got a we call. We do have a call. I think uh, we have Don on the line. Hey, Don. Hey, Don. Are you there? Nope. Hey, I uh, guess we're having a... Uh, uh, Don, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. Oh, there you go. All right. Hey, where are you calling right. from, Don? Um, St. Augustine. I got some music playing there in my okay. ears. So. He, he's got the music, anyway. Steve. All right, I'll go on. We're trying... Is it still playing? Anyway, I can, I'll, I'll go ahead and talk over it. We can um, hear you fine, Don. On your Hebrews comments, um, in that passage... It talks about sons being uh, scourged as a discipline. Yeah. So I think we have to differentiate between believers being sons and unbelievers, because I think it goes on to say that, you know, something about uh, unless you are illegitimate sons. Yeah. So it has to be, I think, a division there between believers and unbelievers. Now, there may be the conditions... I think that God is putting us forth for revival. In other words, the pressure is coming on to the United States for its abortions and its homosexuality and any sex outside of marriage. I don't want to hone in on that. It seems like we do that too much. Yeah. But maybe God is turning up the heat on America to provide the conditions for revival. And I understand from different reports that that is happening. Yeah, I I actually um, have heard some reports too that little revivals are breaking are you out. There? Yeah, yeah. Can you? Yeah, um, yeah. We are. Um, and thanks for calling in. By the way, thanks for listening. Sorry about the music. We we've had a problem with bleed through. Um, but um, anyway, Don, I think you're right uh, that that there are revivals breaking out. But the the key thing that we were talking about specifically is believers can sin into death. And God, God leaves us here to be a witness for his glory and to be a witness of being the one true people of the living God, putting him on display. And when we don't do that, 
and we have unrepentant patterns of sin in our life, we are displaying more a love for the world than a love for God. So why would he leave us here? Hmm. And, and, and I think to Don's point, though, about chapter 12 of Hebrews, where it's talking about God's discipline, the writer's talking about God's discipline. I don't think there's any question that that is written to believers. Yeah. That He says, if you endure chastening in verse 7 of chapter 12, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening or discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Mm-hmm. So I think he has to be, the writer has to be talking about, that's the discipline of God as a father to those that belong to him to make us more like Jesus versus, I think what Don was getting at, and, and maybe you heard it differently, is, is there a discipline of God on a nation, for example, including unbelievers for the the sin of a nation, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's the difference there. You know, the, the individual discipline to believers to conform us to the likeness of Jesus mm-hmm. versus a different type of punishment or judgment that is on a people that are many of whom are not believers. Well, and then there's another thing too, uh, David. There's a difference between God's judgment on a nation and his discipline of a people. Sure. Sure. Because nations nations don't have an eternity. And mm. nations throughout the scriptures have experienced God's judgment. Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. Um, you know, um Tyre. I mean, God God wiped out nations. He used um natural disaster or God sent disaster to do that. Uh, many times when nations would turn their back, he finally got fed up with nations and he would wipe them out because they were so evil that he would not let them continue. Mm. And so that's the danger for our country, I think, is that we don't want to be so perverse as a country uh, and and do go our own way to where we, you know, we, we God not just withdraws his favor, but brings judgment on us mm. because that is a possibility. A lot of people don't want to talk about that, but it is uh, a possibility. We see that throughout scripture. So, you know, I'm, uh, I wanted to say one other thing before we jump into Hebrews today, two things, actually one, there's a couple of people, Bud tool is a good friend of mine and his son is a pastor out in Arizona and uh, his son, Jim, and um, Jim's wife, Patty, both have cancer, and they uh, it, it's not a great prognosis for them, and they have two kids in college. And I told Bud, if you're out there, please pray for the Tool family and uh, just lift them up and pray for God's mercy on Jim and Patty and their two sons and, and just pray for wisdom for the doctors. And also another SWAT brother here in town, um, his son, uh, Harrison Lewis, Harry Lewis, who's uh, Harry's been very involved in the city and a lot of different things. And um, he, uh, he called me yesterday or texted me yesterday. His son, Harrison, who's very young in his twenties has a rare kind of cancer and they are looking at different options. And he asked if we would pray for him. Mm. So pray for the Lewis family, pray for uh, the tool family. And also our brother Gil, who uh, Gil Smith is a SWAT brother who's battling pancreatic cancer as well. And uh, pray for his sweet wife who works down at the sheriff's office as well, uh, just in her role as law enforcement. 
We just want to keep these people lifted up. Remember our first responders, our military guys. Um, very, very weird time we're living in as a country and as a world, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still guys fighting over in mm-hmm. Afghanistan and guys over in Iraq, and they're still dealing with stuff. So lift up our guys in military. My son serves with the Air Force still. And and there's a lot of guys. I got good friends serving in the guard and the army and the marines, navy, and so just keep up our military and our first responders, especially in the next few weeks and months as we as we kind of go through this difficult time of this election season and with the coronavirus. Mm. Continue to lift up the president and his uh, family and uh, the leaders of our country, the leaders of our community, and um, just. Be people of prayer. Mm. You know, that's one of our core values to stay close to our commander. So let's continue to remember that. And then one other thing um, before we go to break here is uh, I wanted you to share um, just um, real briefly about Bit of Faith because Bit of Faith is a new ministry, a nonprofit that is helping people through horse therapy and, um, I know my girls have done that kind of thing before, and they loved it. Uh, and your wife is serving on the board. It's called Bit of Faith Ranch. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody what Bit of Faith Ranch is. Yeah, I joke with, with my wife. I always refer to it as Bit of Honey. Remember that candy bar, Bit of Honey? Bit of, that commercial was always on when I was a kid, but it is Bit of Faith Ranch. And uh, my wife is on the board, and uh, it's a, it's uh, located over off of um, um, the old 210 over near uh, – uh, the par three golf course there in Palm Valley. And it's a meeting on Saturday mornings. It's adaptive riding, uh, riding lessons for special needs kids. They have some kids suffering from autism and other other challenges. And um, have great volunteers from Nice and Ponte Vedra High School that are helping out with it. Um, and other adults uh, that have experience with special need kids. And these kids are really taking to the horseback riding and not just the horseback riding but other responsibilities they're learning how to care for the horses how to clean their shoes how to be around them and it's providing tremendous confidence for the kids Uh, my wife is there she's a massage therapist she sets up her table outdoors there while the kids are riding and actually does some physical therapy on the parents so you hear that parents there you go a bit of faith ranch right and it's a website there's a facebook page so if you look for them on facebook bit of faith ranch you can get more information, and if you want to help out, you can certainly do that. So thanks for, for checking them out. We're going to come back after the news here on SWAT Radio. Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights, my world from a mile high. Best seat in the house tonight Touchdown in the cold black top Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos All those people going somewhere Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms with the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me 
your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah. 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 Busy street, see a girl in our eyes meet. Does her best to smile at me, to hide what's underneath. There's a man just to right, black suit and a bright red tie. Too ashamed to tell his wife he's out of work, he's buying time. Welcome back to SWAT Radio, everyone. David Gray, along with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. Glad you're with us here on Tuesday afternoon. We're coming to you live from Jacksonville, Florida. Call us at 844-777-7928 if you have a question or comment. Or you can certainly email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. And before the break, Doug, we were talking about thanks for mentioning uh, Bit of Faith Ranch. You can also, I mentioned that they're on Facebook. You can also find them on Instagram. And uh, so please go there, check them out. And uh, certainly you can email Doug and Doug can let me know uh, if you have any questions uh, about the, uh, about the nonprofit. So Doug, anyway. Yeah. We're so let's jump into Hebrews. You know, we've been in Hebrews this week we're in Hebrews chapter 11, specifically looking at Hebrews 11, 17 through 29. Yesterday, we looked at verses 17 through 22, and we're going to begin looking at verses 23 through 29 today, and we're going to finish up tomorrow. But just a quick review in case you just popped in, you haven't been here this week or last week, or you just tuned it in. Uh, uh, Hebrews is a book that was it's really a letter in the Bible that was written to a faith community over in and around Rome with five warnings uh, to a group of people within that faith community. There was three subgroups of the faith community. The first group was all in with Jesus. Their hearts had been transformed, and they were had left the Jewish sacrificial system and the old covenant system, and they were part of the new covenant. They believed that Jesus was the great high priest, the only thing necessary to have a right relationship with the one true living God. There was a second group that intellectually had bought in, but they were really not all in. They were, some of them were posers. Some of them were uh, just the intellectually bought in and they believed that simply by believing the facts about Jesus being Messiah and being around people that were all in and agreeing with them that they were in, and but they never had a heart change. The third group were people still trying to figure it out. And so this letter was written to them to warn them. The first warning of the book was in chapter 2. And the warning says, don't neglect, don't neglect uh, this great salvation that we have. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? We must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. So he's saying, don't ignore the invitation to follow Jesus as the great high priest. He is supreme to everything, and don't drift. Second warning was in chapter 3, and he's saying, don't harden your heart. And he goes back to Psalm 95, which is a commentary on Exodus uh, where they say, is the Lord among us or not? They they were doubting the Lord because of their circumstances. 
and their hearts were hardened. And it's the second warning says, don't harden your heart. And then the third warning is in chapters five and six, where he says, don't waver, be all in. He's saying, by this time, you've heard this message so many times, you ought to be teaching, but you still need milk. You're not even ready for solid food. You are like a little infant and you should be maturing. You've heard it so many times. And remember, this is 35 to 40 years after Christ had resurrected. So the gospel had gone forth. People had had transformed lives. They were suffering. They were being thrown to lions. They were being beheaded simply for loving Jesus. And these people were being persecuted over in and around Rome from the Romans and from their own people, the Jewish people, because they had left the Jewish sacrificial system. But then there's a fourth warning in chapter 10 where he warns them not to be an apostate. In verse 26 of chapter 10, he says, If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. And he's telling them, don't be an apostate. Don't be an apostate is somebody who receives the truth and rejects it. Uh, Hey, Steve, Steve, we're on there. We got it. There, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> wow, that was felt like I was an operator for a second. We're going to take yeah. caller number seven for <laughs> yeah. tickets to the monster truck gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, so anyway, <laughs> uh, so that those are the four warnings, and w- then we went into chapter eleven because after he finishes that chapter with a warning, he says, "My righteous ones shall live by faith." But the one who shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. My righteous ones don't shrink back. They have faith. And so then he goes into chapter 11, and he lays out, it is the faith chapter. It is the greatest chapter in the whole Bible on faith. There's no chapter with more definition and more characterization, more examples of faith than Hebrews chapter 11. We've known it as the hall of fame of faith but really he starts off by talking about the character of faith in the first few verses and we saw the author of our faith is god himself faith is god revealed not man earned or created and he says faith is this it's the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen so faith is in if you have faith it means that you're looking towards something believing in something that you can't necessarily see how it's going to work or how it's going to be pulled off. For instance, and we'll get into this uh, next week on air, we're going to talk about this tomorrow. Uh, When you think about Gideon, we mentioned him yesterday. Here's a guy who had 30,000 men going against 135,000 men. Now think about that for a second. Those aren't like great odds anyway and god says that's too many gideon mm. you need to go smaller smaller than thirty thousand. god do you, do you know how many that's four times what we have he goes smaller and then he cuts back he says no smaller smaller down to 300 now david would you volunteer for that mission <laughs> i'm serious think about that well in my own strength absolutely not but but I mean even even I, knowing what you know, I know well, having the Bible probably not okay De- yeah I'm probably giving myself too much credit uh, okay. by saying probably okay so let's say the commandant of the Marine Corps said David come on you're a man of faith I want you to go with us we're taking 300 men we're going against 
130,000 Taliban fighters in Afghanistan. But God's with us. Oh, by the way, here just we're, all we're going to take is a torch, a trumpet, and a pitcher. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, think about that. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. so so this these are great examples of faith. And so he starts off by defining faith and saying the author of our faith is God. Then he goes into verse 5 and 6, and he gives the motivation for our faith. He gives Enoch as an example of a man who walked with God. And the motivation for our faith is, is intimacy with God, not knowledge about God. He says it's to know him, not just to know about him. And then he goes into Noah as the demonstration of our faith. He To put God on display to the pagan world around us, Noah walked with God. And then we saw the journey of our faith. He started off with Abraham. And he, he reveals the process. Abraham was called. He was tested, saw God's power then unleashed. And then he, there was a commentary by God in verse 16 where he says, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared for them a city. And, and that really is the goal of God's people is to reveal a people of the one true living God. And so that's why I believe 1 John um, you know, 5 says you can sin into death because our mission is is to put God on display to the pagan world. So if we are living a reprobate life, a life apart from God's leadership, why would he allow us to continue to live if we're his kids? Mm-hmm. Why would he? He wouldn't. Right. He's going to remove us. And so yesterday, we we looked further at the life of Abraham as God revealed the security of our faith in verses 17 through 22. And I had you read that where we saw that the security of our faith is in God himself. He is the object of our faith, and the object is more important than the amount. And, you know, on on television, you see this a lot. You have a lot of preachers on TV that talk about, you just got to have more faith, you got to have more faith. Well, you can have all the faith in the world and, and a false God, and it ain't going to help you. Right. You got to know what you believe in, and it has to be the one true living God. And listen, I used to go speak at colleges and universities and schools, and and I would tell them that what you believe is the most important thing about you, and if what you believe is based on a falsehood, it's like a virus in a computer. It will wipe out everything you touch. It will wipe out and corrupt everything you're about if your belief system is based on a lie. So you can believe that Buddha is great. You can believe that Muhammad is great and the greatest. You can believe, and I'm not talking about Muhammad Ali either. I'm talking about Mm -hmm. Muhammad the prophet. You can believe that Confucius and those sayings are Hinduism. You can believe in all that stuff. But if it's based on a lie, you're you're ultimately going to be left empty and hopeless. Well, it's very sad, too, because we see that in this country, right? You see different... I guess what you know what we would call cults, right? Yeah. And you see people out going door to door, and and the zeal that they have for for what they're involved with, mm-hmm. but they're zealous for something that's they're not zealous, true. They're zealous for a lie, right? And right. it just and, and in the end, coming you know, or thinking about you know, thinking that you're going to get this great reward because you're doing all these things, and it's all been a lie. Yeah, it's, it's well, very sad. Well, when we come back, we're gonna. We're going to look at verses 23 to 29. I'm going to have you read. And we're going to start looking today at Moses. 
and what the supremacy of our faith is, the one true living God is supreme. Come back on SWAT Radio for our last segment after the break. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. Welcome back to SWAT Radio for our last segment. David Gray along with Doug McCary from His Light Ministries. And, you know, Doug, I think there's a line in that song we just had as the intro that David brought a rock to a sword fight. Is that one of the lines? Yeah. And and what that reminds me of is, you know, we were talking about, I know you're going to get to Moses, but we were talking about Gideon and God culling his army down to 300 people. God does that throughout Scripture. He does it all the time. David bringing a slingshot to fight Goliath. Jesus turning five loaves and two fishes into enough food for 5,000 people. Okay, so David bringing a slingshot to fight Goliath would be the modern-day equivalent of you bringing a bow and arrow to fight a guy that's got a bazooka over right, there. I right, mean, like it's right, like, right. But the idea being that it leaves no doubt, at least it shouldn't, 
that it's God working through the the individual, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and 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 in and in Jesus' case, of course, it's Jesus as God performing, you know, supplying food for five thousand people. But I think I always think of God using Paul, right? Mm-hmm. Who could take, as Paul describes himself, the chief of sinners and the guy that was one of the lead persecutors of the church and make him the greatest apostle in the history of the church, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 God does stuff like that all the time to show that it's him doing it. So He, he does. And, you know, we, we got into the security of our faith yesterday with uh, the one true living God is able to do anything, keep his promises. And we talked about in verses 17 through 22, he kind of goes through the Abraham offering up Isaac, but then him blessing Isaac, uh, Isaac blessing Jacob and Esau, Jacob blessing Joseph, the sons of Joseph, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. And then Joseph saying, hey, when you leave Egypt, take my bones to the promised land. The promise that was given not to Joseph's father, Jacob, not to his grandfather, Isaac, but to his great grandfather, that you will have a land. Joseph had the faith to see forward and say, take my bones. And it would be over 400 years later that Moses would bring his bones out. And ultimately, Joshua would take the bones into Shechem and record it in, at the end of Joshua chapter 24. And so as we think about the, the security of our faith, the writer then takes us into Moses' life. Moses is a fascinating guy. Now remember, if there was anybody uh, that the Jewish people had a respect for, it was Moses. They called the law the Mosaic Law. He is one of the treasures of the Israelite nation. That he received the law from the angels, the, the commandments. Nobody was more revered than Moses in that culture. And so the writer says, Moses didn't get into God's presence by, he wasn't God's friend because of his works. He was God's friend because of his faith. And so he goes through and starts with his parents' faith, how they had faith ever before Moses had faith, and tells the story in five, six verses here. So won't you read 23 through 29, and then we'll come back, and I want to look at four things that Moses chose because our faith is selective, and he reveals the one true living God is supremely worthy over everything else in the world. Okay, this is Hebrews chapter 11, 23 to 29. By faith... Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing to suffer, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. So in this text... We see four choices that Moses made that I think are uh, great 
examples of faith, what it means to walk with God like Enoch did. Moses chose to pursue walking with God and his people rather than have the honor of man. In verse 24, he chose to pursue walking in God's purity rather than having the pleasures of earth. And that's verse 25. He chose to pursue walking with God's perspective rather than having possessions of the world. That's a long-term eternal perspective rather than the gold, the silver, all the possessions of the world. And finally, he chose to pursue walking obedient to God's commands rather than fear man's power or punishment. So he walked with God and his people rather than the honor of man, walked in God's purity rather than pleasure, walked in God's perspective rather than possessions, and he walked obedient to God's commands rather than fear man's power or punishment. But before he made these choices, it puts in here, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden. Now, Moses had no choice about the hiddenness, did he? No. Who hid him? His parents. It says his parents hid him, that he was hidden by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. What was the king's edict? To kill all the male babies. Yes. The male Jewish babies. And if they were hiding the babies, what would happen to them? Yeah, they'd be killed. Yes. And so instead of being fearful, it says they saw that he was beautiful. The child was beautiful. Now, we we see that and we automatically just think, oh, he was a baby and he was beautiful. No. To really understand what he's saying, because it says back in Exodus 2, 2, he was fine. He was a fine child. you got to go to Acts Chapter 7, verse 20. Stephen, when he's telling the history of Israel, he gives us insight to what the Holy Spirit means here. In verse 20, he says, At this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. He was beautiful in God's sight. That means that he was special to God. So his parents saw that. Now, we all believe that we're special to god but moses had a calling special on his life. purpose he yeah. had a special calling his yeah. parents saw that they were unafraid there were many people throughout israel's history uh, samson his parents were told at a very young age uh, even mo uh, abraham you're going to have a child he's going to be the child of promise yeah uh, and so so that's a really important point for us to, to see god's sovereignty in the life of his people. And tomorrow we're going to go through each one of these choices Moses made, and we're going to look at the faith required to do that. But as we do that, and as we kind of leave today, because we only have a couple of minutes left, I want you to think about these questions. Do we choose the one true living God, or do we choose status? Do we choose the purity of of the one true living God, or do we choose the world's pleasure? Do we choose a godly perspective or the possessions of the world? Where in our life are we really following God to where our faith is put on display to the world? In the life of Moses, it, there was a clear distinction made that I serve the one true living God, and that's why God called him a friend. Mm. And, and I know you'll get into this tomorrow. But in the in the study in SWAT, you really got into more about what Moses turned his back on 
to follow God. And it wasn't just he turned his back on a nice little job or, you know, a nice little house in the country. I mean, he had all the power in the world. He had the, he was in, he was the daughter or the grandson, the adopted grandson of the most powerful man on earth. Yeah. Right. And, and he turned his back on that to follow God. Yeah, he did. And so tomorrow we're going to look at those choices he made. But, but, but just remember God's sovereign over everything and his plan is unfolding. He's got a sovereign plan for you. His plan is for you not to just sit around lounging around in your faith without displaying it to other people. So again, how are you displaying faith to the people around you? Mm-hmm. When they look at your life, do they see a person who serves the most high God, the one true living God who has faith that that one true living God can do anything? Do you shrink back when people talk to you about stuff? Are you afraid to talk to them about your convictions? Are you afraid to talk to them about biblical values? The one true living God puts you here to represent him and to put him on display. And the best way we do that is to be a loving people, but to also be a people who speaks the truth. Mm -hmm. And so don't compromise with the world. Moses didn't, and you don't have to. And I think it's important when you say those things to to be intentional about that, to, to pray that God will make you aware of those opportunities to do that because it's so easy to let them pass by and not be aware of them. So, of course, I can't help but thinking with reading about Moses here, that the foreshadowing to Jesus, right, of Moses, that same, the Pharaoh's killing all the male babies, just like Herod was trying to do with Jesus. Moses was a deliverer of the Israelite people, right? Jesus is the deliverer he, of all he was of a God's picture people, of right? Him. Absolutely. Glad you're with us today. We're coming to the end of our time on SWAT Radio. We are going to be back tomorrow. Uh, Doug, I think Taylor will be back with you tomorrow. Or you. I don't know yet. Somebody will be here. (laughs) And I know you'll have uh, uh, Dr. Gruden on, on Thursday. Yes. So come on back. Thanks for joining us today on SWAT Radio. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual